Heads up, friends. The unofficial Shopify podcast is made by indie entrepreneurs for indie entrepreneurs and may contain material not suitable for all audiences, like swearing or economics. Listener discretion is advised. Forget just chasing revenue. In a world of rising ad costs and thin margins, what truly counts is your profit. Enter Store Hero, your new ally in profit-centric growth. Unifying sales, marketing, and cost data, Store Hero unveils your real profitability down to each order. Now you can scale ad spend with confidence, backed by data, actionable insights from a platform that thinks beyond revenue. And exclusively for you, our listeners, mention the unofficial Shopify podcast, and you'll get a free profitability audit for 2024. Ready to step into a new era of e-com clarity? Visit storehero.ai and discover a platform designed for the profit-driven brand. My friends, it is 2024. That means January, right? I already, I have abused to death that joke. Oh, well, see you next year, right? Got several weeks of that under my belt, you know, really exercising my dad joke rights. And today I want to go over how we're going to scale our stores this year. Well, we got to go deep on something. I think that Google Ads is really, is one of the best ways to do this. I think. The level of options they give you, I think it, it's easier to do than Facebook ads to start with, but it may ne- not necessarily be the right fit for everybody. And truthfully, it has been many years since I've had to personally manage any of these campaigns. So uh, easier said than done. I need an expert. I need someone with enough experience to talk us through it. And so I have someone who's got 20 years experience, uh, Menahem Ani, who I've gone back and forth with on on Twitter. We then uh, we jumped on Zoom, talked to him uh, several times this year, and really enjoyed it and gotten a lot out of it. And so I want, want to share his expertise with you today, my friends. Uh, this one, this episode, all about Google Ads. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Check nasty. And this is the unofficial Shopify podcast. <laughs> Manahem, how you doing? Doing all right. It's a beautiful day here on the Jersey Shore. Um, thanks for having me on the, on the uh, podcast. Excited to be here. I'm happy to have you. And in the background, uh, did you rob the Google Swag Store? The amount of like Google stuff behind you is intense. Yeah, we uh, we've been doing Google Ads for quite some time. We've got a lot more than that. That that's only what fit on the camera. You got the mini fridge. They ever send you the Google mini fridge? Got the mini fridge is actually right behind me. Can't see it. Um, got the Google bike. We got all kinds of stuff. But yeah, the the bike. There's a Google bike. It's a Google bike. It's a citizen bike. It's a nice bike. Uh, but when you ride it, it's it's uh, it's all, got all the Google colors. I, I posted on Twitter. Okay. So swag aside, uh, we're going to talk Google ads today. You And uh, am I right in saying you've done this 20 years? Yeah, I, I believe I set up my first campaign March 2003. So it's, it's definitely been a, been a minute. When you look back 20 years, what's like the big thing that stands out is how it's evolved? What's changed? Broad strokes. Broad strokes is definitely automation, moving towards smart bidding, AI, performance max, all that kind of stuff. Uh, But there's definitely been a lot of change over the year. I think that's the biggest shift that we've seen over the past couple of years. 
and you know the trends change people go back and forth and there's there's always going to be someone yelling like oh google has her dead make the case for it you know, why why should if i'm a shopify merchant why should i consider google ads as part of my my marketing budget sure sure and and listen it's definitely it's harder to find success for some shopify stores some shopify brands than others but typically you can find success to like you mentioned the breadth of offerings they have is is very wide between search and shopping which is capturing intent and then youtube ads and performance max demand gen which helps generate demand there's typically a way to find success for for any kind of brand on google and certainly when you talk to clients you have to vet them you have to figure out your art are they a good fit for you? But more importantly, if they're not running Google Ads yet, are they a good fit for Google Ads? Let's work backwards. Who is not a good fit? Like, what is the what's the deal breaker where you go? Don't you know? Don't pass go. Don't even bother with this yet. So, in my mind, you have two kinds of brands. You've got brands that lead with Google and brands that lead with paid social. Typically, it's the brands that lead with paid social. Think of of something that's a bit more of an impulse purchase, a more visual product, maybe fashion. Those brands sometimes can have an easier time on meta or paid social because they're able to showcase the product, tell their story. And until you find that product market fit, Google may not be the right avenue. So I'd say, um, you know, depending on on type of product, the price point, that's, that's really where it would come from. Someone recently told me like, hey, the product title doesn't have keywords that someone would know to look for. Immediately, you have a problem. For sure, because with with I mean, Google's core product is still search and shopping, and Performance Max leans into that a lot. But if the customer is not searching for your solution, they don't know it exists. You've still got to do that education component. That's where it's it's much harder to find success on Google. You definitely can through YouTube ads and and Performance Max, but it's definitely going to be a tougher try than than something like Facebook and Instagram ads where that the the consumer is is easier to pull along that that educational journey. On the show, when I think about Google ads, when I ask people, hey, are you using Google ads? Have you considered Google ads? I think really I'm talking about Google shopping ads because they have so many different ad types and placements. And it's like search ads are always there and a thing for me to scroll past, shopping ads, the one I like, Pmax, Performance Max, YouTube ads, and that's like, and I'm sure there's more than that. They, they have a very wide range of, of ad types, but search and shopping is the core, the core of what built Google. And I think it's because of how powerful it is, pulling people in in the moment that they're doing their research, they're ready to buy. So it, that, that's what's the, the beauty of it. It's high intent. You know, exactly. Like the social ads are interruption based versus on Google. I went to Google, I then typed in a keyword phrase. The phrase is what triggered those ads. And in theory, they are directly relevant to me. Exactly. And and it's funny because shopping is the big piece that moves the needle, especially for Shopify brands. But there's so much more you can do. And that's what Performance Max is trying to do is, is to go beyond the intent to be a bit more like meta ads. Let, all right. So let's start. I think the the two big categories are search and shopping. Define them, break down the difference for me. When am I doing what? Sure. So for most most Shopify brands, e-commerce in general, shopping is going to perform better than search. Search ads are just plain text ads. You've got a headline, description, you'll have some extensions. 
added to it. You can put image extensions, price extensions, things of that nature, but they tend to be more static. Whereas shopping ads are dynamically created from your product information. You connect the Google sales channel and Shopify, it synchronizes all your product data and it builds ads using your product title, description, image, and so on that, that show, shows the picture of the product to the user in the search results. And that, that's really why it performs so well is it pulls the customer in through, through very engaging ad units. And I've seen this, like it'll pull in, sometimes it'll pull in uh, product reviews, it'll have stock availability, it'll have um, shipping uh, times. Like what are the, what's the extra stuff in there? What do they call that? Yeah, so I mean, they're, they're synchronized. You can send a ton of data to Google. The, the core pieces of information that you have to send are like the title, the price, the image, and so on. But there's so much more. You can send, you know, the, the color of your product, the sizing, the, the material, um, you know, pricing information. So as if you have a sale, you can put coupon codes. You can really send a lot. And the more you give Google, the better job you'll do of, of increasing your click-through rate and, and increasing your overall exposure. Okay. I want to come back to shopping ads and that the technical implementation. But first, you know, I want to talk more about these ad types. Uh, Pmax for the last I don't know 18 24 months Pmax has been seemed has it seemed like a, a buzzword also seemed like an exciting thing where people were seeing results uh, performance max what is it again sure sure so there, there's a lot of history kind of coming to it um back back in the day you you had standard Google shopping and they created something called smart shopping which was an automated algorithmic type of shopping where you just gave it your product information and told it what kind of return on ad spend you were hoping to see. And the system took care of all the optimization for you. What Google did is they took that and, and took it to the next level and came out with Performance Max, which is meant to be a full funnel campaign that combines the, the smart shopping algorithmic nature, but also goes beyond that, that search intent we spoke about, where now it's also targeting people before they search for it. So it, it layers on audience ads that are targeting people on YouTube and Gmail and the Discover, the Google the Google app, you start seeing ads before you even start searching for something, creating awareness and educating consumers in the process. So it's that combined with the search and shopping component. And it's, it's an all-in-one campaign that's, that's intended to help you capture search and generate demand at the same time. Okay, that sounds awesome, but also far-fetched. Does it, could it possibly work? It sounds like, oh yeah, just you throw your content at it. We'll let the AI, the algorithm, will do the advertising for you. We'll figure it out. Don't worry, buddy. Just you know, give us the budget. Yeah, so in theory, it sounds like it's very simple. And, and a lot of people have that hot take, like just set it, just leave it alone. It'll do its own thing. But in, in practice, and, and what we've seen is that a lot of the success comes from how you set it up. Uh, what type of products you're marketing, what kind of data you feed the system. So it, it definitely is powerful, but it'll do a better job if you take the time to understand what the best approach is for your specific brand, for your products, and, and how to find success. Give me a working example. Like, all sure. right. Yeah, just walk me through one. Sure. So there's a lot of different ways you can set up Performance Max. You can set it up in a way where its primary focus is just shopping. And the way to do that is you don't give it the creative assets that it asks for. It asks you for, you know, headlines, descriptions, images, videos, skip all that stuff, just give it your data feed. 
now it'll focus primarily on feed-based ad units. So mostly shopping, it'll do some retargeting, some prospecting, but it'll mostly be shopping. So if you have a product that the education component is harder or you don't have the right creative assets, that's the best approach for you. On, on the flip side of that, if your brand does really well on paid social, you're spending a lot of money, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and you've got amazing creative assets, layer that into Performance Max and let it do some of that on, on their properties, YouTube, Gmail, Discover, and so on. So there's different ways you can set it up. And, and that you know that's just one example, of course. So the idea is I, I give it, I go, hey, here's, here's my products. And maybe I don't do the entire catalog, but I'm like, here's, here's the, my, the products that are responsible for 80% of my revenue, my top 20% of my catalog. And I give it access to that. And it could pull in you know, all the, the product page content about it. So it's got the product right. media plus description title and reviews and availability and shipping. And then I give it, um, you know, maybe I, I have done well on Instagram Reels or you know, Facebook's social right. ads. And so now I'm going to give it that content as well. And then exactly. it's able to piece this together and the placements and the placements then become dynamic. Yeah. And so it, it's how you structure within one campaign, you can create different groups. So you can put one product in, in one asset group, one category in one asset groups. And in that asset group, you, you choose which products go and you can give it creative assets alongside it. So now it can create ads from that product information that came from the product display page, as well as whatever assets you manually provided it. And then the, the other piece on top of it, and this is something a lot of people overlook, is you give the system what they call audience signals. With, with Performance Max, you can't target a specific audience yourself, but you can say like, hey, these are the kinds of people that I think are my customers. And the system will then go and find whatever it wants based on that as a signal. So like we, you want to, especially if you've got good creative assets, you want to give that signal to the system so it knows who you think is the kind of person to buy it. Because like the shopping component, the system is able to, match it to keywords based on the product title, description, the category, and so on. For the creative assets, you got to give it a signal of, of who you think would buy from you. So it, yeah, obviously it, otherwise it, it's in the dark a little bit. So when we say uh, audience signal, am I just defining demographics for it? Or am I giving it an email list of past purchasers and then it's going to do something disturbing with it? Yeah, you can do both. Um, you know, p people worry about sharing too much information with Google. My approach is like, I don't know if we have a choice. Yeah, they already know. Exactly. At the end of the day, the more data you give them, the better job it can do. So you can create audiences off of email lists and phone numbers, um, you know, pixel data, people who visit the website or take certain actions on your website. You can also do demographic data, interest data. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. But again, it's like, it's not going to target that specific audience. It'll just use that as a signal for what it does. And the system will automatically scan the landing page, scan the product pages, and try to build its own audiences out of that. So it, it does a pretty good job, but I find that the more data you give it, the better it can do. The other one that's confusing, they introduced, they're like, oh, we've got uh, AI-powered ads that they call demand gen campaigns. Yeah. How, it, reading the description of demand gen, it sounds like Pmax. What's the difference? So it kind of does, and it, it took me a minute to figure it out. Um, but demand gen is sort of the the next iteration. Like you, you, you said, there's been a lot of change over the years. So Google first started out with 
something called Gmail sponsored promotions, which were just, you know, those little ads you see in Gmail. That was like, you know, a decade ago. Slowly that's morphed into what they call discovery ads, which is putting ads on the side of Gmail, on the side of YouTube, the, the little thumbnail image ads you might see on the side of a video. Um, and also in the Google News app and the Google app, you, you see discovery ads. So what demand gen is, is the next iteration of that. They're adding on now YouTube shorts placements, video placements. And I think like Performance Max was originally billed as an all-in-one campaign. But from everything we've seen is that it's very conversion focused, capturing intent and trying to generate more immediate um, prospecting. Whereas demand gen is, is truly about generating demand. It typically is not going to convert as well as Performance Max, but it will create that additional demand and push down your funnel. So that that's kind of where I see it fits. For me, it's like once you've tapped out surge and shopping and performance max, that's when you'll kind of layer on demand gen. I definitely wouldn't recommend that for starters right now. What do you recommend for starters? For starters, I like shopping or performance max for e-commerce because it's exactly that. You're you're just pulling people in while they're searching for it. So that's the most opportune time to, to really generate sales. So start with a, at a basic level, a standard shopping campaign with smart bidding target ROAS or a performance max campaign, depending on, again, what type of store you are, because certain products, as I mentioned, like if you're selling highly commoditized products, like digital cameras or, or something like that, gadgets, performance max is going to have a hard time generating new demand. It's, it'll do much better to just capture demand. Whereas if you're selling a product that is very visual in nature and you've got good creative assets, that's where I would start in performance max. But I guess the answer is a little bit of, it, it depends on what you're selling. Oh, for sure. Crowdfunding campaigns are great. You can add social proof and urgency to your product pre-orders while reducing risk of failure. But with traditional crowdfunding platforms, you're paying high fees and giving away control all while your campaign is lost in a sea of similar offers. It can be frustrating. That's why we built Crowdfunder, the Shopify app that turns your Shopify product pages into your own independent crowdfunding campaigns. We originally created Crowdfunder for our private clients, and it was so successful, we turned it into an app that anyone can use. Today, merchants using Crowdfunder have raised millions collectively. With Crowdfunder, You'll enjoy real-time tracking, full campaign control, and direct customer engagement. And it's part of the Built for Shopify program, so you know it's easy to use. So say goodbye to high fees and hello to successful store-based crowdfunding. Start your free trial and transform your Shopify store into a pre-order powerhouse today. Search Crowdfunder in the Shopify App Store to get started. The other thing with, with Google Ads, it's not the easiest thing to implement like i have found getting it going is not tough and then so like and then you get the errors or they're like hey by the way all your products are gonna just get delisted as eligible from advertising but then the error is so confused it'll, you know it'll just be really vague and they're like yeah, all right go figure it out yeah and it's and like i don't know what i'm missing and usually it ends up being like hours of screwing around to figure out like oh this is the actual issue they were talking about and once you know it it's not rarely it's Usually not tough to fix unless it's like, oh, you got to do a bunch of data entry on your product catalog. Um, what is, when it comes to the integration, what app are you using? Like, what is this, how are we making Shopify talk to Google? What's the right way to do it? Yeah, so I, I tell people 
the easiest place to start is, is there is an official Google sales channel app for Shopify. We, we recommend that nine out of 10 times. It's super easy. Just install the app, connect the accounts, and it, it automatically sets up your tracking pixel, your data feed, all that stuff. But to your point, it, it does get tricky if things get disapproved. It doesn't help that Google is constantly changing the interface and changing how things work. Uh, but that app is fairly straightforward. In, in some cases, though, where you have more complex product data or you want to send additional information to Google, then you might want to utilize third-party app for that, like Feedonomics or Symprosis. There's a lot of good ones for Shopify um, you know, to, to help customize the data that you're sending. But yeah, otherwise, it's like it definitely gets tricky when they just randomly throw disapprovals at you. Yeah, it drives me nuts. What's the most common one? Like, what are the top reasons that get uh, the disapprovals triggered? So they have for, for Google Merchant Center, which is the underlying data source for shopping and performance max, they have very, very, very finicky rules. Like your price has to match in the data feed and on the landing page. So if you change a product price or your theme is not built properly and the product price is not being displayed in the best way, it doesn't match. It'll get disapproved. If tax and shipping in Merchant Center is not configured exactly the same way as Shopify, it'll get disapproved. Um, so it's a lot of that kind of stuff, but they also have automated algorithms that will randomly flag products as like against policy. You know, like for example, uh, uh, one that pops up over and over again is if you have something maybe in an ivory color, their system doesn't allow you to sell actual ivory, so it'll just get flagged by the system. Got to like request an uh, an approval. Yeah, I've seen that one. It's always funny. Like we do a lot of aftermarket automotive, and there's a a, a big brand of tuner called Bully Dog. And we've in the past, those have been flagged because of this, what is essentially a consumer electronics product gets marked as animal cruelty. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to be like, no, no, it, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with animals whatsoever. Yeah. So, I mean, thankfully they've got a process, but it, it is tricky to run through. You've got to request approvals and sometimes it'll be dozens of products or hundreds of products and you just kind of got to walk through it. But part of playing the game. Hey, are you recording from a construction yard? No. No, no. Do you hear the, you. the truck backing up? I do. Yeah, we have busy street over here, but sometimes hey, it gets a little. Crazy. Does it run in reverse based on how often this truck is backing up? Yeah. Jeez. Um, what do you use as your KPIs? What is your metric of success? What's the thing we need to keep an eye on to know if these campaigns are performing well? Yeah. So typically, it all comes back to the return on ad spend. For, for most Shopify brands, and that varies wildly by industry, by you know type of products you're selling. But what I do find as a general rule of thumb is that the market tends to regulate itself for your vertical because you're, you're, if you think about it, your competitors likely have similar margins as you and they're likely only able to bid in a similar way as you. So it, it ends up kind of evening itself out. But it should it should really follow like what you're seeing on Facebook and Instagram, what you're seeing on different channels to that effect. What's like a typical range? Like what kind of performance should I expect and how long does it take to potentially see success? Is there a learning period here? Um, yeah, so I think like with Performance Max, there's a bit more of a learning curve because it's more algorithmic in nature. But in general, you know, to me, the first, let's say two, three, four weeks, are about gathering data, establishing a baseline. You'll see conversions, hopefully, um, you know, if, if it's set up right, but it's really more about understanding the market. 
And then it becomes more about optimization, building projections, and, and really trying to capture additional market share. And, okay, Our, I know ad costs, there is some seasonality to them. And so I was wondering, is there a right time to kick off a campaign? Like if you're getting into advertising for the first time, it, it, is there a quarter in the year that's maybe better than another? I think that also is going to vary based on the industry. You know, certain things do well oh, yeah, at the beginning of, be, beginning of the year, Valentine's like Day. Like selling mother. bikes in the winter. going to be... <laughs> exactly. But the cool thing is that even if you are selling bikes in the winter, if somebody's searching for it, it's again, it's intent-based. So you're showing the ad when they're searching for it. It's it's not like with, with Facebook or Instagram ads where you're just kind of pushing it in front of them. Here they're actually searching for it. And with, if I'm starting fresh here, let's talk budget. Like, what's a reasonable budget to start experimenting with? Like, I, I just want to dip my toe in the water, but if I'm not spending enough, the ads may not run, it may not go anywhere. Right. And it, if I throw too much at it, I may just end up setting my money on fire. Like, it, just, yeah. what's reasonable? So, the, this is a question that I get a lot, and I think the way to think about it is less about budget and more about how much traffic you can drive. So Google Ads has a tool. If you, you create a Google Ads account, there's something called the Keyword Planner. You can plug in keywords and a location, and it will tell you on average what the cost per clicks are. So really from there is now you just want to come up with a budget that gives you enough traffic that you can establish statistical significance. You'll think that you want to drive at least at a minimum a few thousand clicks on a monthly basis. Um, and for some brands that might be you know, starting with a small budget, maybe $100 a day. And for other brands, that might be a few hundred dollars a day. But that that's probably the range that you need to start in, depending on the cost per click, of course. Okay. And to add your website, you have a cool tool. You have a, a ROAS calculator. Uh, walk me through this thing. Sure. So a, a lot of first-time advertisers will come to me and be like, how do I know what I can expect? And if you, if you think about it. That's my question as well. Yeah. If you think about it, the, the return on ad spend for every dollar you put in, dollars generated in revenue, it, it comes down to three metrics. The first metric is is what your cost per click is, how much you pay for each click to the website. You know, one, once you've established that, let's say I spend $100 and I'm getting a dollar a click is 100 visits. Now, the next metric is the conversion rate, what percentage of website visitors place an order. So if you have an established Shopify store and you're not advertising on Google, you will have that data. You'll know what your conversion rate is. And then lastly, it's the average order value is how much each order is, you know, spends with your store on average. So if you take those three metrics, you're able to now say for every dollar I spend, it'll generate this amount of visitors of which this percentage will place an order and they will spend on average this amount of dollars. So the calculator we have on our website kind of does all that math for you. You just plug in the numbers. So, you know, again, using the keyword planner, you can get an average of what your cost per click might be. And if you have your conversion rate and your average order value, you can get a good idea of what to expect when, when running campaigns. So I've got combining these two tools, keyword planner, my Shopify analytics to figure out uh, conversion rate traffic and right. your ROAS calculator. I can actually figure out if this is, potentially worthwhile to explore. Obviously, like, you know, exactly. your results may vary. 
Exactly. And and that data also, like the keyword planner, they give you a very wide range. They might tell you, you know, your cost per click will be anywhere from $1 to $6. So like that variable can mean the difference between success and failure. And so take it with a grain of salt. It is an estimate, but it gives you an idea of, of whether you're, is something feasible for you. What's the most common mistake or pitfall you see people making? Because certainly we've been phrasing that as framing this as you're new to this, you're getting into it. You know, people who have not started yet are talking to you. I would imagine you get just as many or more people who have existing accounts and are either shopping around for somebody better or they did it themselves and they want to get it off their plate. I bet you've seen some weird stuff. You've seen some failures. Like what's the, where do people go wrong? So I think um, the the biggest mistake that I, I see with with people new to Google Ads is not giving it enough time to succeed, shutting off a campaign before it's really had a chance to learn. The, the biggest piece in today's Google Ads is that it, it is algorithmic in nature. It takes time to learn. So what success you see on weeks one, two, three, four might not be what you'll see after that. And a lot of it, again, comes back to how you set it up and, and all that. But I think being patient allowing it to run through its paces is really important. Um, so that that's definitely one. Another is just people don't always set it up the right way, have the best tracking in place to really know the performance of the campaign. And that feeds into you know the smart learning algorithm of, of how it can find you better success. So I think those are some of them. But yeah, I've seen a lot of crazy things over the years. So within Shopify, the other part of it is like, not only do I have to get my data feed into Google Merchant Center, my products. I also need tracking within the store. There's a data layer that has to happen so that I could do my remarketing. I could do, Google could do attribution. Um, how do you get that installed? What are the, the tools there? Yeah, so Google has, they have that sales channel app. I think it's officially supported by by Google or Shopify. So I recommend that sales channel app and once you install it is really just going through the configuration connect your google account connect merchant center connect uh, google ads there's a bit of a, a setup process but once you connect all those pieces it'll do the setup for you it'll set up your google ads tracking so that it can track add to cards it can track sales and it will also set up your data feed synchronize your product information to merchant center your shipping settings your, your tax settings so it does a lot of the heavy lifting for you if you just set up and configure that app. So this is the one I have used most um, since they they launched it or relaunched this. And everything you've mentioned, I'll, I'll put all this stuff in the show notes. And they, they call this thing simply Google and YouTube. It's an awkward name, but it's like Google and YouTube. But it's a sales channel that plugs in and it gets you attached to Google Merchant Center to push your products up. Um, and it, it looks like, you know, once you've got that in place, um, then you can run all these other ad placements we talked about. Yeah, I'm sure there's there's extra steps yeah. there. Um, and and that, that app itself has transformed a lot over the years. I think at this stage, it also includes Google Analytics 4. Um, but th there's it's definitely one of the basics that I would say almost every Shopify store should set up. Um, because even if you're not going to do Google Ads, search or shopping, just setting up that that app will connect your Google Analytics. Will also, if you connect it to Merchant Center, you, you can take advantage of what Google calls the free listings, which are, are you know free traffic they send from the shopping tab on on Google. So it's it's highly recommended for everyone. Yeah, no, take advantage of that. Uh, now there is there the one I see most is Google Sales Channel, 
but I also see third-party paid uh, shopping feed apps. Like, Symprosis Google Shopping Feed app has almost as many reviews as the Google, this official Google sales channel does. So what's the scenario where I'd, I'd want to move to one of these, these custom paid shopping feeds? So those typically make more sense for larger catalogs. The Google channel app works really well, but if you need any customization, it really doesn't do any customization. So something like Symprosis, Feedonomics, and there's a whole bunch of them will allow you to sort of map custom fields. Uh, maybe you want to send over like your, your cost of goods sold so you can have it and build out campaigns. Maybe you want to create, you know, add additional fields with, with color, material, or just feed the system more information. That's when you'll want to utilize one of those. Um, also like to create proper segmentation with larger catalogs. Google has custom fields where you can send over custom labels of different, you know, maybe it's a collection, maybe it's a seasonal aspect of it. But basically you can build out a lot of custom data in these apps that you can't do with the standard feed. But the truth is, is that even if you use the standard sales channel app, you can do a lot of that stuff in Merchant Center. If you're familiar with how they have something called feed rules, where you can layer on top of the data that comes in from Shopify that like maybe if a title contains a certain keyword, then assign a certain custom label. But that stuff is much simpler using something like Symprosis, which is is where we would recommend it. Yeah, once, I mean, going for the Google Shopping feed where they're, they intentionally limit your options to make it easier to use. But then once you need those options, like once you go into some process, um, I mean, that's just top of mind. That's the one I had used most recently. I was like, wow, there's a billion one things I could configure and really get myself in trouble with here. As we ring in the new year, did you know that over 90% of Shopify merchants won't hit their maximum revenue in 2024? Ugh, that's because they're killing their conversion rates by using outdated landing page designs and default templates. You work hard all year and you deserve to realize your dream of owning a successful store, but without the right tools, it's like running a marathon with lead weights tied to your feet. That's where Zipify Pages comes in. Zipify Pages is the game-changing landing page builder created by the founder of a $180 million Shopify store. It has everything you need to transform your store into a high-converting, sales-generating machine. Zipify Pages' intuitive builder, mobile-optimized templates, and AI-powered features are helping thousands of Shopify stores boost their conversion rates and run more profitable marketing campaigns. Zipify Pages improves every page on your Shopify store. Just select a template from their template library and then quickly customize it to match your brand. You can easily create better product pages, landing pages, category pages, even home pages. And because every Zipify template is tested on their $180 million Shopify store, you know they actually work. So don't let 2024 drift by with unmet revenue goals. Upgrade your store today with Zipify pages and make this your best new year yet. Go to zipify.com slash Kurt to start a free 14-day trial at Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T to try Zipify pages for free. So I want to talk advanced strategies. With Google Shopping ads, is there any realistic way to optimize this? Like, is it, it's just pulling my product page. Right. So that's the piece that a lot of people overlook. And it definitely is worth the effort to take the time and do it because 
if you think about it, shopping as performance max, there's no keywords. You're not telling Google, I want to show up for a specific keyword. What it does is it analyzes your product's title, description, categorization, and that's how the algorithm decides which search queries to show it for. So if you take the time to fully flesh out your data feed, make sure that your title has you know, keyword-rich, descriptive um, titles, that each product is categorized correctly in Google's taxonomy, that you have the UPC codes, that you're, you're giving additional custom labels, additional information, that'll help your product show up in more searches and get more exposure. And that's, you know, that's totally outside of, of the Google Ads interface, but it's a very powerful thing that, that can really help. All right, keep going. Give me more. I want, once I've got this thing working, I want the, the advanced, the advanced tactics. Yeah, so you can you can give it so much. You you can give it like, for example, you can give it your your profit margins. You can give the system your cost of goods, and then you can use that to build campaigns. Where okay, I have certain products where I might only have twenty percent margin, so I can't bid as aggressively as other products where I have forty percent margin. And so you can split those into separate campaigns, utilizing that data, and then bid more aggressively on certain products over others. You know, also segmenting products by seasonality. If you have certain products that are giftable items and do well certain parts of the year, you break them out and, and build them into this into these campaigns. Um, that that's a lot of the stuff, you know. But really, taking advantage of trying to fill out and send as much data as you can to Google, so that a it knows when to show, you know, for, for more searches, when to show your products, and b that you could segment your campaigns more in a more sophisticated way to really take advantage of what's important to your business. So as I get more advanced, it's segmenting that catalog out so that I could dial in bidding strategy. And that's going to help me scale more effectively as opposed to just like, it is here, it's one big bucket of products and one big bucket of money. And we're just going to keep dumping money into it. Yeah, we could, we could be smarter about it. Exactly. And then there's a lot of little things that, that layer on top of it. Like for example, product reviews. If you collect them on your store, definitely send them to Google. They attach to your product listings. It shows the star ratings, you know, helps you get a better click-through rate. Um, if you're adjusting your price on the website for a short while, or if you have a sale, if you if you notate it the right way in the feed, it'll show up as like on sale or a price drop. If you have coupon codes or promotions, you want to set those up in Merchant Center. So it also connects to your, your product listing and it shows, you know, promo code. Um, all, all that stuff is is a lot of things that by default doesn't pull through and you want to make sure to take the time to set it up as, as best as possible. So I could go at, at Google Merchant Center and be like, hey, I'm running a promotion right now and here's the coupon code. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. 100%. Um, it's, I think it's a feature that's not even turned on by default. Um, if you go on your Google Merchant Center account, they have a section called Manage Programs and you can opt into all, all different sections of Merchant Center, but they have something called Promotions and you can set them up one-off manually, like, hey, I'm running a 20% code until the end of the month. Um, this is eligible for all products. Or you can actually set up a data feed where something like Symprosis can synchronize all your Shopify coupons straight into Merchant Center and automatically connect them to whichever products they're meant to be connected to. Pretty sweet. Our optimizations, are, our talk has been largely about Google Shopping ads. And with Google Shopping ads, I guess my ad copy is kind of non-existent, isn't it? Like I'm not writing headlines. I'm not writing text ad copy the way I am for search ads, right? Right. 
Yeah, that I mean that's a hundred percent. So you you lose with shopping as compared to search. You don't have keywords to target, and you don't have headlines. So what what happens is that product title really becomes super important because Google looks at the title more importantly than everything else. It has a heavier weight as to a what products it should show up for, but b how it's displayed. So if you if you search for anything and you look at a Google Shopping ad, you'll see that typically only the first few words of the product title are even visible. So it's really important to make sure that those few words are as descriptive as possible and sort of work as your headline. Um, and, and from what I understand, the closer a keyword is to the beginning of the title, the heavier weight it has, you know, also including keywords in the title is more powerful than in the description. But there, there's a lot of little things like that that definitely play into your success of your campaign. The All right, the other one, um, is it true that when you run these ads, Google Google has a crawler, has a bot that will go to your site, add products to cart, go through checkout, not buy. It'll abandon checkout, but it does it to verify your out the door price that like what the data you're giving it in the feed is correct. Yeah, so they do. They have very sophisticated algorithms that will check the price in your data feed, the the tax settings, the shipping to make sure that everything matches. And um, it, it is an automated algorithm as far as I understand, but they also do manual checks. Like if your store gets flagged because the pricing in the feed doesn't match the pricing in the checkout, once you're manually flagged and you have to appeal it and, and get a manual review, somebody will actually go and try to check out um, and check it themselves to make sure that it works. But yeah, it's, it's they are very strict about making sure that all the data and merchant center matches. And I think the big... The big reason why is like a, a bit more of the backstories before Google Shopping became as powerful as it was. If you think back like probably 10, 15 years ago, there used to be a bunch of shopping comparison sites like shopping.com, Shopzilla, Price Grabber, Nextag. Google pretty much obliterated them all by having accurate information. Consumers couldn't rely on what they found there. Like you'll see one price, you click through, you land on the website and there's another price. And so, so Google puts a very big emphasis on on merchants having correct information in in the campaign, which I'm, you know what, I'm glad they do. Right? Yeah. We, we should not be uh, deceiving people. For sure. It's just you know, honestly, the the reason I'm aware of it is because you see the complaints of people who are like, "What's with all these abandoned checkouts from a guy named John Smith?" You're like, "Well, it's, it's not actually a person. That's a Google bot. It's making sure that your your stuff's running correctly. They're skewing my conversion rate." That's why conversion rates not should not be your like one and only KPI metric that you monitor because there are so many ways to skew it. Yeah, conversion rate. I mean, if you think about it, it's impacted by quality of the traffic, the the website experience, and then of course the product offer. So there's so many different places that that can cause a conversion rate to change. So oh, definitely yeah. not the only metric to look at. Yeah, I can really really pushed around or if like you know some dude who doesn't have your audience shares the site on twitter and sends traffic to it and it's i got all this unqualified traffic and i just the conversion rate dipped for that that day um okay looking ahead are there any new features on the horizon here any things we should be aware of yeah so from where i'm sitting like google is all in on performance max they've made a lot of changes since it debuted about i think it's about two years ago a year and a half ago but there's going to be a lot more changes coming to it. Um, I think it's going to lean a lot more towards automation. But I think some of the bigger changes in the Google Ads ecosystem is going to be a bigger push towards YouTube Shorts. 
that'll become a lot more prominent. It's really grown as a platform. And then like on the search side, I think there's going to be a lot of changes around keywords. You know, right now we have different match types. I think a lot of that's going to go away and it'll become sort of like performance max where it's, it's around themes. Um, but you know, it's, it's really going to be automation world. So we got to get used to it. I, you know, I love it. I love automation. Just make my life easier. Make the decision for me. I will give you all the data and, you know, let your supercomputer crunch the numbers for me. Right. Exactly. That's what I want. I mean, that's what we want, but a lot of people don't give the system all the data. And so then it flounders. It doesn't know what to do. And so I think like garbage in, garbage out, man. Exactly. Exactly. You just feed the system and it'll feed you. That's a great line. Yeah. Feed the system, it'll feed you. Uh, any any final tips or advice for someone who wants to conquer Google Ads? I think, like I said, be patient. You know, take take it seriously. Take the time to understand how it's different than something else you might be doing already, and just lean into it because it's you know at the end of the day. Google Ads provides all these different tools. It's just there are other tools in the toolbox and it's it's how you utilize it. So take the time to really understand what Performance Max is, how it works, and make it work for you or, or, or any of the campaign types for that matter. Minahem, where are well, are you entertaining new clients currently? Sure. Oh always if, happy to help. If we wanted to reach out to you, how would we do it? Sure. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, on X, Twitter, um, on our website, jxtgroup.com. You know, I'm always happy to talk to people. Been doing Google Ads and, and e-commerce for a long time. Yeah, yeah no, I, uh, it's, it's good to chat to you. I've been, I've enjoyed it. I will, I've got yeah. lots of stuff in the show notes. Okay, your LinkedIn, that, Ro, that keyword, that ROAS calculator, um, and other links we mentioned are, are in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great conversation. Thank you.